0: Yes, They were found in the dead man's right hand. There can be no question that he snatched them from the face of the assassin. May I see them, please? Will huh? they tell you anything, Holmes? I- Inspector, you have your notebook, of course. Pray take it out and write as I dictate. Wanted. A woman of good address, attired like a lady. She has a remarkably thick nose, she has a puckered forehead, a peering expression, and probably rounded shoulders. By George's Marks. The great mind of my friend Sherlock Holmes never ceased to amaze me. Uh, My name is Watson, Dr. Watson, and I was privileged to share the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Now, uh, let me locate the exact page, and I will tell you about the case of the Golden Pince-nez. A moment, please. I think that of all the cases which fill three massive volumes containing our work for the year 1894, the case which is the most conducive to a display of those peculiar powers which my friend Holmes was famous was that of the Golden Paris Well, Holmes, here's Inspector Stanley Hopkins to see you. Ah, oh, Hopkins, come in, my dear, sir. Evening, Mr. Holmes. It must be something important that has brought you out in such a gale. It is indeed, Mr. Holmes. Did you see anything of the, uh, the Yoxley case in the latest editions? I've seen nothing later than the 15th century today. Oh. Let us hear about it. Some years ago, this, uh, this country house, Yoxley Old Place, was taken by an elderly man named Professor Coram. He was an invalid, keeping to his bed half the time. He has the reputation down there of being a very learned man found it necessary about a year ago to engage a secretary. The first two that he tried were not successes, but the third, Mr. Willoughby Smith, was a very young man straight from university. He seems to have been just what his employer wanted. I've seen his testimonials. From the first, he was a a decent, quiet, hard-working fellow, nothing against him at all. And yet, this is the lad who has met his death this morning in the professor's study. i take it you're going to tell us he's been murdered the circumstances can point only to that i see well you would better tell us a little more about the household to begin with if you were to search all england i don't suppose you would find a household more self-contained or free from outside influences the professor was buried in his work young smith knew nobody in the neighborhood and the two women had nothing to take them from the house although the garden gate is only a hundred yards from the main london to chatham road just a moment these two women who are they well there's an elderly housekeeper mrs marker and a maid, Susan Tarleton. I see. This uh, Susan Tarleton was the only person who could say anything positive about the matter. in the
1: morning, sir. Between 11 and 12. I-, I was hanging some curtains in the upstairs front bedroom, sir.
0: Where was the professor at this time?
1: Oh, Professor Coram was still in bed. When the weather's body hardly ever gets up before midday.
0: Huh?
1: Well, sir... I heard Mr. Willoughby Smith pass along the passage and go down to the study, just below where I was working. A minute or so later, there was a dreadful cry. Then nothing, just silence.
0: What did you do? Yes,
1: sir. I-, I ran downstairs to the study, and there he was, stretched out on the floor. He seemed to be dead, but then he opened his eyes and, and spoke to me. He said, the Professor, it was she...
2: You mean
0: he, surely. The professor, it was
1: he. N- no, sir. Just like I told you, the professor, it was she. Very
0: okay, well then. Did you notice anything else at all?
1: I saw the knife, sir. The, the one you've got there. Mm-hmm. It used to be on the professor's desk. It, it was lying on the floor.
0: Thank you, Susan. Now, uh, Mrs. Marker? Yes, sir? Uh, you came on the scene too, I believe.
2: Oh, but I wasn't in time to hear him speak, sir. He was dead when I come. What did you do? Well, I left Susan with him, and I run up to the professor's room. He was sitting up in bed. Very upset, he was. Upset? Oh, yes, something terrible. Well, he heard something going on. Mr. Smith screaming, and he knew something awful had happened. So, well, he sent me to tell the gardener to go for the police at once. The
0: local police sent wire to Stockton Yard, and I was down there in a jiffy. I gave strict orders for no one to walk on the paths leading to the house, or move anything inside. I don't mind saying it was a splendid chance of putting your theories into practice, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. There was really nothing wanting about this case. Except Mr. Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Well, what sort of a job did you make of it? Ah, the question I asked myself was, how did the murderer get into the house and out again? That's right. It must have been by the path and the garden door. Otherwise Susan would have run into him as she came downstairs. So I directed my attention to the garden path. There had been plenty of rain before the time of the murder. Then there should certainly be signs of any footmarks. And were there? There were no footmarks on the path. So I next examined the corridor. It's lined with coconut matting and uh, taken no impression of any kind. This brought me into the study itself. It's a scantily furnished room. The main article is a large writing table with a fixed bureau. The drawers of the bureau were open, but the cupboard between them locked. Had anything been tampered with? Nothing. The professor assured me that nothing was missing. Ah. As to the body of the young man, Willoughby Smith, the stab was on the right side of the neck and from behind, so that it's almost impossible that it could have been self-inflicted. Is there any more evidence, Hopkins? There is. Something most important. Yes? What have you got there? a pair of past they were found in the dead man's right hand they weren't his he had excellent sights there can be no question that he snatched them from the face of the assassin may i see them please Uh ah thank you Mm, very handsome solid girl i'll just try them on oh dear me extraordinary Do they tell you anything home a great deal Inspector, you have your notebook, of course. Uh, Yes. Then pray take it out and write as I dictate. Very well, Mr. Holmes. I'm ready. Write down, Wanted. A woman of good address, attired like a lady. She has a remarkably thick nose with eyes which are set close upon either side of it. She has a puckered forehead, a peering expression, and probably rounded shoulders. There are indications that she has had recourse to an optician at least twice during the last few months. As her glasses are of remarkable strength, and as opticians are not very numerous, there should be no difficulty in tracing her. Uh, My George is marvelous. It's incredible. (laughs) Uh, But meanwhile, have you anything more to tell us about the case? Nothing, Stones. I think you know as much as I do now. Probably more. It seems such such a pointless crime. That's what beats me. No one has suggested a ghost of a motive. I suppose you can't, Mr. Holmes. Ah, there I'm not in a position to help you. But I suppose you want us to come out tomorrow. if he's not not asking too much. There's a train from Charing Cross to Chatham at six in the morning. We should be at Yoxley Old Place between eight and nine. Then we shall take it. Well, it's nearly one now, and we'd best get a few hours sleep. Why not stay here, Inspector? I dare say you can manage on the sofa in front of the fire. Well, now, that's a very good idea. And I'll light my spirit lamp and give you a cup of coffee before we start. Yes, it's bitter, all right, Doctor. Uh, so anyway, the wind's dropped. That's a relief. Morning, sir. Oh, no, oh. Any. any news? No, sir, nothing. No reports of any stranger seen about? No, sir, I've just been asking again at the railway station. Have you inquired at the inns and lodgings? There's no one who can't be accounted for, sir. Well, it's only a reasonable walk to Chatham. Anyone could stay there without being noticed. You all right, carry on, Wilson. Very good, sir. But this is the, uh, the garden path I spoke of, Mr. Aaron, ah, yes, I see. Hmm, someone has passed along here. Mm-hmm. Our lady must have picked her steps carefully, since she'd have left a track on the path on one hand, or the soft flower bed on the other. Yes, she must have been a cool customer. You say she must have come back this way as well? There's no other way. Hmm, it was a very remarkable performance. Very remarkable Well, I think we've exhausted the path. Let us now go indoors to the scene of the crime. The position is this. The garden door is usually kept open, so the lady had nothing to do but walk in. The idea of murder was not in her mind, or she'd have provided herself with a weapon instead of having to pick up the knife from this writing table here. She came along the corridor, leaving no traces upon the coconut matting then she found herself in this study what does she do she goes over to the writing table what for not for anything in the drawers for nothing is missing no it was for something in this bureau no what's this scratch beside the keyhole why didn't you tell me of this hopkins well, i uh, i noticed it mr holmes but uh... You always find scratches around a keyhole. Watson, yep. just give Mrs. Marker a shot, will you? Very well, This scratch is recent, Hopkins. Quite recent. See how the brass yes. shines where it's cut? Oh. Look through my lens. Yes I, yes, I see what you mean. An old scratch would be the same color as the surface. Yes, sir? Here's Mrs. Marker, Holmes. Oh. oh, Mrs. Marker. Uh, did you dust this bureau yesterday morning? Yes, sir. Did you notice this scratch? Where,
2: sir? Here. Oh, no, that wasn't there yesterday, I'm sure of that.
0: Ah. Uh, who has the key of this bureau?
2: The professor keeps it on his watch chain.
0: I see. I understand that this passage connects only with the professor's room and the garden door. That's right, sir.
2: There are no other doors of it.
0: Well, thank you, Mrs. Marker, that is all. Thank you, sir. Making any progress, Mr. Holmes? Mm-hmm. Certainly. This is what I see. The lady enters the room, advances to the bureau, and either opens it or tries to do so. While she is thus engaged, young Willoughby Smith comes in. In her hurry to withdraw the key, she makes this scratch upon the door. Smith seizes her, and she snatches up the nearest object, which happens to be the knife, to strike at him and make him let go his hold. The blow is a fatal one. She escapes, either with or without, the object for which she's come. Yes, that seems fair enough. And now it's time we made the acquaintance of the professor. Yes, certainly. Oh, so the corridor to his room is also lined with coconut, Matty. This is very important indeed. I don't think I understand. You don't see any bearing upon the case? Well, well, I don't insist. No doubt I'm wrong. Now, come and introduce me to the professor. excuse the atmosphere, gentlemen. I I fear I am a slave to tobacco. Uh, Are you a smoker, Mr. Holmes? Yes, indeed. Uh, Then, uh, pray, take a cigarette. Uh, Oh, thank you. uh, Dr. Watson. Thank you. No. I have them specially prepared by Ionides of Alexandria. He sends me a thousand at a time, but uh, I agree to say I I have to arrange for a fresh supply every fortnight. Indeed. Uh, Very bad, I admit, but an old man has few pleasures and Tobacco and my work, but now, uh, only tobacco and us. Uh, what a fatal interruption to my work. May we, uh, may we know its subject? Uh, it is an analysis of the documents found in the Coptic monasteries of Syria and Egypt. It is a work which will cut deep at the very foundations of revealed religion. Really. Uh, but who could have <laughs> foreseen anything so terrible happening to the young man? Uh, uh, what do you think of the matter, Mr. Holmes? I've um, I've not yet made up my mind. I shall indeed be indebted to you if you can uh, uh, throw a light where all is so dark. Uh, to a poor bookworm invalid uh, uh, like myself, uh, such a blow is paralyzing. But you are a man of action, and we are fortunate indeed in uh, having you at uh, our side. Uh, oh, but uh, uh, do take another cigarette. Uh, dear me, you, you are even a quicker smoker. But I am myself. Uh, I am a connoisseur, and these are excellent cigarettes. Uh, Professor Corham, oh. what do you imagine this poor fellow meant by his last words, the uh, Professor? It was she, Mr. Holmes, uh, our maid, Susan, uh, a simple girl. Uh, I fancy the poor fellow murmured some incoherent, uh, uh, delirious words, and she twisted them into this meaningless message. The uh, eyeglasses, where did they come from then? Ah, oh, Inspector, uh, we are aware that love tokens may take a strange shape—a fan, a glove, uh, a pair of uh, slippers. Uh, Tell me, Professor Corum, what is in the cupboard of the bureau in your study? Oh, uh, uh, there, oh, oh, nothing for a thief uh, family papers, uh, diplomas from universities that have honored me. Uh, here is the key. Uh, you oh, may look for yourself. You. Oh well, no, I. I hardly think it would help me. No, uh, here is your key, Professor. Uh, thank you. I promise you shall not be disturbed again until two o'clock. I shall come again then, if I may, and uh, report anything which may have happened in the interval. Oh, by, by all means, my dear sir. Oh, uh, do take a few of these cigarettes with you. There. Uh, oh, thank you very much, sir. Well, then, Holmes, have you a clue? Yes, what are you thinking, Mr. Holmes? It depends upon those cigarettes I smoke. Perhaps I'm utterly mistaken. The cigarettes will show me. The cigarettes? I've never seen you smoke so much in my life. <laughs> Except your pipe, of course. Yes, and I hope I shall never have to again, Watson. Ah, <laughs> oh, here comes the good Mrs. Marker, the very person to give us a few minutes' instructive conversation. Uh, Mrs. Marker? Yes, Mr. Holmes? I've been wanting to congratulate you on the way you keep up the house.
2: Oh, sir. No,
0: I was just saying as much to my friend, wasn't I, Watson? Hey, uh, oh, yes, yes, uh, highly commendable.
2: Ah, very good of you, sir, I'm sure. It
0: must be especially difficult with the professor smoking as much as he does, you know, ash all over the place and so forth. Oh, you're quite right, sir. Does it, uh, does it never affect his health? His health? Oh, well, that I can't say, sir. Uh, but his appetite, surely such heavy smoking must kill the appetite.
2: Well, he is variable about how much he eats, I'll say (laughs) that.
0: I should think so. Uh, This morning, for instance, I'll wager he took no breakfast, and he'll certainly face no lunch after all the cigarettes I saw him consume.
2: Ah, well, you're out there, sir.
0: Oh, am
2: I? He had a specially big breakfast this morning. I don't know when I've known him take a better one.
0: You
3: don't, sir.
2: And he's ordered a good dish of cutlets for his lunch. Mind you, I'm surprised, sir. After I saw Mr. Smith lying on that floor yesterday. I've hardly been able to look at food myself.
0: You certainly surprised me, Mrs. Parker. But if you've a special luncheon to prepare, we mustn't keep you, must we?
2: No, sir. I must be getting along now. Uh, Good day, gentlemen.
0: Good day, Mrs. (laughs) Uh, uh, Parker. Holmes, you're working something up. I know the signs. Am I, what's Ah, well. At two o'clock, we shall return to our friend the professor and see where my chain of reasoning is taking us. Very punctual indeed, gentlemen. Uh, Now, Mr. Holmes, I'm sure you're looking forward to a few more of my cigarettes. (laughs) It's very kind of you, Professor Gorb. Not at all. uh, Here, uh, take the tin and help. Oh, 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 I do beg your pardon. It was my own clumsiness. Look, I'll help you pick them No, my no, dough. no, 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 Watson. It was my fault. I insist that, oh dear me, some have even rolled as far as the bookcase in the corner. Oh, there. I, uh, I think we have them. Yes, I, I think that everything cleared up now. Oh, you shouldn't have troubled Mr. Holmes. But tell me now, have you solved this mystery of ours yet? Yes. I've solved this. You've solved it? Indeed? By strolling about in the garden? No. Here. Here? When? This instant. You are joking, surely, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? Professor Coram, what your motives are, or what exact part you play in this strange business, I'm not yet able to say. In a few minutes, I shall probably hear it from your own lips. Meanwhile, I will reconstruct what is past so that you may know the information which I still require. As you wish. Yesterday, a lady entered your study with the intention of possessing herself of certain documents from your bureau. She had a key of her own. You gave me an opportunity of examining yours, and I do not find on it that slight discoloration which the scratch would have produced. You were not an accessory, therefore, and she evidently came without your knowledge to rob you. This is most interesting and instructive. But surely, having traced this lady so far, you can also say what has become of her. I will endeavour to do so. In the first place, she was seized by your secretary and stabbed him in order to escape. This catastrophe I am inclined to regard as an unhappy accident. Horrified by what she had done, she rushed wildly away from the scene. Unfortunately, she had lost her glasses in the scuffle. And as she was extremely short-sighted, she was really helpless without them. She ran down a corridor, which she imagined to be that by which she'd come. Both were lined with coconut matty, and too late, realized that she had taken the wrong one. She couldn't go back, she must go on. She pushed open a door and found herself in your room. Oh, 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 all very fine, Mr. Holmes. But there is one little flaw in a splendid theory. I was myself in my room. I am aware of that, Professor Corum. And you mean to say that I could lie in bed and not be aware that a woman had entered my room? I never said so. You were aware of it. You recognized her. You aided her to escape. You are mad, mad I helped her to escape. Then where is she now? She is there, behind that bookcase in the corner.
3: Right. You are quite right. I am here.
0: I arrest you in the Queen's name for the murder of Willoughby Smith. And I warn you that any Yes,
3: sir, I am your prisoner. I could hear everything, and I know that you have learned the truth. It was I who killed that young man.
0: Then you realize. But you
3: are right, you, sir, who say that it was an accident. I did not even know that I held a knife in my hand. In my despair, I snatched the nearest thing from the table and struck at him to make him let me go.
0: I am sure that is the truth. Yes? She'd better uh, sit down a moment, Holmes. She looks ill. Oh,
3: thank her. you. I have only a little time here, and I must tell you the whole truth.
0: Here, yeah, now, now, you take this chair. Uh, thank you.
3: Yeah, that's
0: good.
3: I am thank this you. man's wife. Huh? He is not an Englishman. He is a Russian... I will not tell you his name. It's the Lord bless you, Anna. I wonder why you cling so hard to that wretched life of yours, Sergey. It has brought no good to anyone, least of all yourself. Pray, let us
0: hear what you have to say, Madam.
3: I was a foolish girl. When I married this old man in Russia, we were reformers, revolutionaries. Then came a time of trouble. A police officer was killed, and in all of the slaves own life and earn a great reward. My husband betrayed his companions and me with them. Among our comrades, there was one Alexei who was noble, unselfish, loving everything. My husband was not. He hated violence. He was forever writing to dissuade me from it. My husband found the letters which would have saved that man and me from Siberia. He hid them, so we were convicted. I was released not long ago, but... Alexei is still a convict in the salt mine. Think of that, you old villain. (laughs) And I could have killed you in this room, but I spared you. You were always a noble (laughs) woman. I came to this country with the object of getting those letters which would set Alexei free. I knew you would never give them to me, Sergei. So I engaged a private detective who came here as a secretary. (laughs) he he found where the papers were kept and got an impression of the key. Then he would go no further and left here. I took my courage in both hands and came to get the papers for myself. I succeeded. But at what a cost...
0: The dying man's words were, the professor, it was she. Do I understand, then, that Smith knew who you were? Uh, By a chance, I had met him near the gate that morning and asked him
3: where Professor Coram... Exactly. In his last breath, Smith tried to send a message to the professor that it was she, for she whom he adjusted his custody. You must let me finish quickly. After I had killed the young man, I I ran blindly into this room. My husband spoke of giving me up. I threatened that if he did, I should give him away to our party as a traitor. For that reason, and for no other, he let me hide in that princess behind the bookcase where anyone approached he was able to give me part of his own wheels. It is agreed that when the police left the house, I should slip away by night and come back no more. Gentlemen, ah. here, here are the letters we will save Alexei. I confide them to your honest gentleman and to your love for justice. Before leaving my hiding place, I have taken poison. Oh, oh, no, it's too late.
1: Too
0: late. A simple case, my dear Watson, and yet in some ways an instructive one. It hinged from the outset upon the Pansy. Without them, I'm not sure that we could ever reach our solution. But, Holmes, what was all that about the footmarks on the grass verge? When Hopkins here asked me to believe that the intruder, having lost her powerful eyeglasses, could escape by the way she had come, treading carefully along a narrow grass strip, I set it down as impossible. I was forced to consider the hypothesis that she had remained within the house. On perceiving the similarity of the two corridors, it became clear that she must have entered the professor's room, for there was no other hiding place for her. The device of a recess behind the bookcase is a common one in old libraries. I therefore smoked a great number of those excellent cigarettes, and I dropped the ash all over the floor in front of the bookcase. When we had ascertained that the professor's consumption of food had increased, we returned to his room, whereby, upsetting the cigarette box, I obtained an excellent view of the floor. So you were able to see from traces in the ash that she had come out of her retreat while we were absent? Yes. Remarkable, Holmes. Ah, but here we are at Charing Cross. Well, Hopkins, I congratulate you on having brought your case to a successful conclusion. You are going to the yard, no doubt. That's right, Mr. Holmes. Watson, I think you and I will drive together to the Russian embassy. Yeah. We have a small parcel. To live The Case of the Golden Pansnay was one of the Sherlock Holmes stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. My name in real life is Norman Shelley. My friend Carlton Hobbs played Sherlock Holmes, and I was Dr. Watson. And our script for this BBC production from London was by Michael Howardwick. You don't seem to see so many Pansnay about these days. You know, eyeglasses that clip on your nose. But I hope we will be seeing each other about again soon for more of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes.